In this episode, we're going to be talking about the different units of pressure and the different ways that pressure can be measured. We won't touch on measuring blood pressure today, as that'll be covered in more detail in another episode. Pressure has many different units. Pressure, as defined as a force per unit area, is measured in newtons per meter squared. This is called a pascal. The Americans use an imperial measure of pounds per square inch, or PSI. You may have seen this on the side of bike tires. Pressure can also be measured with respect to the height of a column of liquid. This gives us the units millimetres of mercury and centimetres of water. A closely related unit is the tor, which is equivalent to one millimetre of mercury. Finally, pressure can be measured with respect to the barometric pressure of the atmosphere. From this we get the units atmospheres and bar. So, how do these units compare? Well, let's start with atmospheric pressure at sea level. This is equal to one atmosphere, which is about one bar, which is equal to 101 kilopascals. This is the same as 760 millimetres of mercury, or tor, and it's also the same as 1,000 centimetres of water, which is 10 metres of water. And if you're in America, that's 14.65 psi. The units used in any particular situation are a product of the granularity needed by the data at the time, as well as historical conventions. Another key concept to understand is the difference between gauge pressure and absolute pressure. Gauge pressure is the pressure relative to atmospheric pressure, and absolute pressure is measured relative to a vacuum. So absolute pressure is equal to gauge pressure plus atmospheric pressure. So let's move on to measuring pressure. Pressure can be measured non-electrically and electrically. We'll focus on non-electrical methods here. Non-electrical pressure meters can use the principle of a height of a column of liquid, and examples of this are the mercury or water barometers or manometers. A simple manometer consists of a U-shaped tube with two open ends. Liquid is added so that it fills up the curve at the bottom. One end is left open to air, and we'll call this end the reference end. The other is attached to the pressure that you want to measure. We'll call that the measurement end. If you attach a pressure to the measurement end, for example, if you were to blow into it, this pressure pushes the column of liquid around the bend at the bottom and up the other side. You then end up with a situation where the levels of fluid in each arm of the tube are at different heights, with the higher column in the reference arm. The weight of the column of fluid in the reference arm balances the force from the extra pressure in the measurement arm. The difference in these heights is the pressure measured in either millimetres of mercury or centimetres of water. This type of device was commonly used for manual blood pressure readings. That's why we generally quote blood pressure in millimetres of mercury. It's really important to note here that the fact that the reference end is open to air means that atmospheric pressure is always pushing back against fluid in this arm of the manometer. This means that all pressures are measured relative to atmospheric pressure, and are thus gauge pressures. Another way to think of it is that this device measures the difference in pressure between two arms. If the reference pressure were to change, for example, if a friend were to blow into the reference end, you would find that the height of fluid is no longer as high as it was before. This is because the pressure is now being measured relative to this new higher pressure, so the difference in pressure is less. A mercury barometer 
works on a similar principle. A simple version can be made with the same U-shaped tube filled with mercury. Barometers are used to measure the absolute pressure of the atmosphere, so you want to measure pressures relative to zero pressure, or a vacuum. If you put the reference arm of a normal-sized manometer into a vacuum chamber, then you'd probably just suck out all the liquid. But what would happen if the arms were extremely long, say, a mile high? Surely the column of mercury wouldn't still fly out of the top. Well, it doesn't. It stops at a specific height. This is the height at which the weight of the column of mercury is equal to the pressure that is pushing it around the bend. This is the height of mercury that is equal to the pressure difference between the measuring pressure and the vacuum. So it is equal to the absolute pressure. As I said earlier, barometers are generally used to measure atmospheric pressure. So the measuring arm is just left open to the air. In this circumstance, the height of mercury required to measure the difference between air at sea level and a vacuum is 760 millimetres. If you were to use water, this height would be around 10 metres. An interesting fact that comes from this observation is that it is physically impossible to suck mercury up a straw that is longer than 760 millimetres at sea level on Earth. Please don't try this. So, all that's very well and good, but attaching all barometers to vacuum chambers is somewhat impractical. Luckily, if you make the reference arm long enough, and fill it completely with mercury so that there's no air inside it, and then seal the ends so that no air can get in, then at that magic height of 760 millimeters, you find that a gap opens up above the mercury. This is because the weight of the column of mercury is so high that it creates its own vacuum above it. This vacuum is called a Torricellian vacuum, which is why another name for a millimeter of mercury is a tor. You can also make both of these devices, the manometer and the barometer, with just a straight tube attached to a reservoir of liquid. An example of this is the CSF manometer used to measure CSF pressure. But I think the concept is actually easier to grasp if you think about balancing pressures in a U-shaped tube. The other methods for measuring pressure do not involve the use of liquids. These pressure gauges are called aneroidal gauges, from the Greek for without fluid. A common form of this type of device is called the Bourdon gauge. It consists of a flattened tube that has been coiled up on itself. One end is sealed and the other is attached to the pressure that you want to measure. As the pressure increases, air is forced into the tube, causing it to open up and straighten. This is exactly the same mechanism as a party blower that you might find at a kid's birthday party or at New Year's Eve. This uncoiling can be linked either directly or indirectly through gears to a pointer that will move to indicate different pressures. True Bordon gauges are made of metal and are thus used to measure very high pressures, generally over one atmosphere. These can be found on medical gas cylinders and your anaesthetic machine to show you pipeline pressures. As we'll see in a different episode, a modification of this can be used to measure temperature. Electrical pressure sensors are called pressure transducers. The most common ones involve a diaphragm that gets distorted by a change in pressure. There are thin wires attached to these diaphragms that change their length, and therefore resistance, when the diaphragm bends. This change in resistance is measured accurately with a Wheatstone bridge and displayed on an electronic display. We'll cover these principles in more detail in a later episode. So I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Today you've covered the different units of pressure, as well as how pressure is measured. You've gone over the principles of the manometer and barometer, and also heard about the Bordon gauge. 
Don't worry if you don't quite grasp how a barometer works the first time round. It can be quite a tricky thing to get your head around. Thanks so much for listening. If you've liked this episode, please feel free to subscribe through your podcast player of choice. You can also find all of these episodes online at planaprimary.co.uk. Remember, this entire series is going to be published absolutely free, so please share this with anyone who you think might find it useful. If you've got any questions, feedback, or just want to request a topic, feel free to email me at questions at planaprimary.co.uk, or you can leave a comment by this episode online.